0: When that first big challenge arises on a project, how will the leader and team react? If they're not properly trained on conflict resolution, communication, leadership, critical thinking, planning, right, then then we're going to react the way that we as humans are instinctually wired to react to threats, which is typically freeze, fight, flight, or font.
1: Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Amy Powell. She's the founder of WellWorks, bringing nearly two decades of construction experience, primarily as a project manager for a commercial GC. Recognizing the gap in training tailored to the unique challenges faced in construction, Amy decided to roll up her sleeves and do something about it, going back to school to earn her master's in adult education, and crafted a specialized training program for field leaders. This program equips industry professionals to excel in their role now and in the future to lead their diverse teams effectively. Welcome to the show, Amy.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me
1: yeah absolutely looking forward to the the conversation so uh to begin kind of how'd you get into the construction industry and then what prompted the the shift over into getting your master's in education and and going down the the training path
0: i it's funny because i actually went yeah into construction a non-traditional route and that my first experience with it ever was actually college which sounds backwards for most of most other industries right but i didn't really have a family experience at all in construction. I thought I had to go to college. Then when I had to pick a degree, I um, went to an advisor and a counselor, and they mentioned construction management. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I want more of it. I don't. Yes, please. So that's actually how I got into it. Um, and then from there, I realized that I was a little further behind from most of my classmates because they all had experience or had family who worked in it. So it's like, oh boy, I need to double down and learn a lot. And so I immersed myself. I asked for an internship up in the mountains. Um, I joined any chapter club, anything that I could do outside of even school to just absorb as much information as possible. So yep. um, definitely how I got into it. And then right around 2013, I actually had my first kiddo and I loved project management. I really did. But I felt once I had the my, my son, um, I was either only Giving 70% to my team or 70% to my family. And that's just personally was not working for me. And so that's when um my boss at the time actually asked me if I wanted to develop and build and implement the training program within the company. Cause them Mm -hmm. as executives had tried, they've been trying to do it and they couldn't. They kept putting it on the back burner. So I was like, sure, I'll try it out. And in all honesty, I sucked at it. (laughs) I was a project manager. I was not a trainer. That is exactly why I went back to school. I'm like, oh man, this isn't their fault. This is my fault. I got to figure out how to get this information to all these people. Um, so that's really kind of how I got into the training aspect and I've wound up falling in love with it. I think just because I realized I'm really good at this component of it. Um, and I really love the ask the people aspect of it. So Mm -hmm. how can I improve them? How can I help and support them best since I'm not, Fantastic at like pouring concrete, or you know, I mean, and all those skills. I'm like, eh, I'm good at managing the the schedule and the budget, and but the training aspect and the people have always been my favorite part of this industry. So I found my niche of just being able to support them in this capacity through learning and training development. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so let's get into some of the the nitty gritty. So kind of to to start the the term soft skills, it often kind of gets a, a bad rap uh, of sounding, uh, you know, non-essential or even fluffy. In your opinion, how can we really shift this narrative and demonstrate the, the tangible impact of these skills in the construction industry? Because they're for sure needed and they shouldn't be put off to the side as, as soft skills with the, the focus on the the hard skills of actually, you know, building the buildings and, and getting the job done? How, how do we kind of flip this paradigm on its head a bit?
0: You know, I've, I've started clarifying them as actually essential skills versus soft skills, um, just because of the misconception of, of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, they're typically considered soft skills because they aren't as tangible, like you just said, or measurable as our technical and physical hard skills, but they're still essential and crucial to everything we do. Construction's a team sport. It's a people business. It requires interaction with other people. You know, effective interaction with other yeah. people requires soft skills, right? <laughs> um, and so what I'm finding in in my conversations is that we assume by soft skills, we mean become soft. And in all reality, I probably had this perception too um, throughout my career because I mean, who studies soft skills, we're in construction, right? This is what we're focused on here. Um, and so once we start to dig into it a little bit, it's, it, that's not what it is, right? It's not being more emotional, more sensitive, or being a pushover is actually a comment that I received back um, and letting things slide. Instead, it, it's being assertive or having a command presence, you know, it really, it, it really is. It's just being intentional about that instead of unintentionally reacting in that capacity, right? So, um, I mean, communication is a soft skill. Can anyone really deny that we don't need to improve our communication skills, right? Or conflict resolution, adaptability, critical thinking, delegation, right? Those are all soft skills. Um, so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about soft skills. So I really think it's just kind of clarifying what we mean and what we don't mean um, mm-hmm. when we when we talk about those. So maybe transitioning the the term over to essential skills instead of soft. I don't know, but they're so essential and critical.
1: Yeah. I like that. I think it was really profound. I wrote down what you said. I really, it was a great quote of soft skills. Doesn't mean that you become soft and, uh, being the, uh, don't be, uh, unintentional with, with how you're reacting to people because when you don't have a plan and you're not really focused on the essential skills, as, as you say, you're actually being more emotional because you're reacting to just whatever the, the stimulus is in front of you. Yes. Where if you think about that and you have a plan for it and you've uh, you know mapped it out and you have a bucket to put it in, then you don't have to react on the emotional level. You can react thinking first. And I, it's, it seems uh, uh, not how people first think about the the essential skills. That you think it would be the opposite, but it, in reality, it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're being more emotional when you're, you're not focused on the soft skills.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it, what's interesting is even during one of the conversations, you know, it, um, I've had within the program and and from one of my cohort members, right. There's, the command presence is still very valuable and important in our industry but it shows up in different ways right one, just like you're saying one is uncontrolled and it usually demolishes morale and therefore mm. productivity mm-hmm. um where another one same same kind of presence the command presence it's controlled and intentional but that one builds respect trust and it motivates teams so this is the difference of implementing and, and understanding soft skills or essential skills or not right mm-hmm. so that's really just I'm trying to just clarify that's what we mean by soft skills or essential skills.
1: Yeah. I love that. So uh, another kind of key component of uh-huh, that, that goes along with these essential skills that I think of is on the emotional intelligence side. And that's, it's gotten a ton of traction in a, a lot of industries over the, the last several years. Why is it particularly crucial for construction to, to get a grasp on the emotional intelligence? And maybe can you provide some examples from, from your work? We've seen that really make a significant difference.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, the success of a project depends on the ability of the project team to work well together, right? So Mm. if they aren't working well together, this breeds problems, change orders, rifts with team members, et cetera, right? Um, Teams require a strong leader or a leadership group. This, then now this leader and leadership group needs to be looking out for them and not themselves. This requires self awareness to know our strengths and our weak spots, to know, we're the problem (laughs) Uh, self-control right and the ability to take responsibility and how to um to know if that team is you know that know that that team is more important than any one individual on the team including me as Mm -hmm. the leader or our leadership group this that's emotional intelligence right there right it's and and eq as as it's mentioned right or emotional intelligence is a critical component of soft skills and right. it has those four main pillars, the the, the self-awareness, self-control, uh, social awareness, and then relationship management, which includes influence, conflict, management, teamwork. So mm-hmm. just saying those things right there, you're like, how do you not need that in construction, right? Those those items that are within the relationship management. Um, but also it's, again, that self-awareness, which there's fantastic. There's a study and some research of 95% of people think they have self-awareness. But in reality, about 13% actually do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I believe that.
0: <laughs> right, right? <laughs> like, oh, wah, wah, for a lot of us here. But but we, we can't be selfish as a leader um, of a project. We have to be looking out for the entire team. But that is, it's essential to have those emotional intelligence pillars in order to do that and to do that mm-hmm. well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I, I think of is, is really being able to, to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes and, and put yourself in, in their perspective. It's, a, it's been an interesting thing hosting this podcast and getting all these different viewpoints of people throughout construction and even on the architecture side and engineer side. You know, on the surface, can we say nobody really gets along super well in the construction <laughs> industry and there's some, <laughs> there's some rivalries maybe <laughs> between Pretty those much. different lines. But it, if, I think, Maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but if if people could get in the room and kind of hash that out on the front side, what I have found is that they're really not that far apart. They think they're really far apart, but really it's a, a lot of times even just semantics of they're using one term to describe something and the GC uses something else. And if, if they could get in and kind of hash all that out, wouldn't solve every problem, but it, it would solve a lot of the relational rift that exists in construction. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's, I think it's in, I I study a ton of psychology and neuroscience and all that. And I think, I think it's within social, social psychology and I'm going to butcher this, but there's like the in group and out group. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing is we're seeing each other as out group of like, well, you're part of that group, not part of my group. Mm -hmm. When we come together as a team with like all these separate units versus like, uh uh, now we are all an in group. We're all a part of this team. And even just that, that changing that mindset helps us With so many different aspects on a project, Um, it's it's just an interesting. It's like when you go to a sports team, right? You're if you had a roommate that was um, a fan of a rivalry sports team, right? Like you don't like each other probably when you're there, like at the game. But like then when you get home, you're like, oh, I gotta okay, you're you're all right. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, it's it's just similar to that that instance of just exactly that. Like put it aside, recognize you're all trying to build something together. So you better find some commonalities in order to be productive. And again, look out for the team, not just yeah. yourself.
1: So speaking yeah. of the kind of building the, the commonalities and the in groups, out groups, uh, another kind of wrinkle to keep in mind on the construction culture is all the, the multi-generational uh, aspect of the working environment. now. We have baby boomers to Gen X to millennials who've taken a, a, a beating (laughs) for a while now, Gen Z coming in, how does having the emotional intelligence, how does that help foster uh, a harmonious environment and, and what kind of leadership mindset is required to really help bridge the potential communication and, and cultural gap between all those different generations? You
0: know, within the program. So there's actually like six different leadership mindsets that I I mentioned, and they're all different depending on your situation, your environment and who you're talking with. So I don't think it would matter generationally like how that's implemented the mindset specifically. But the emotional intelligence aspect is when you know your strengths and you know your weaknesses and you can own those weaknesses instead of deny them and try to try to always continually build those up instead of just knowing your strengths within a team. Mm -hmm. that inherently you start to identify those skills of an individual, no matter what age they are. Um, It's, it's fascinating. And also, again, just that general understanding of the value of the team as a whole. So it's all of those strengths put together. And again, that in itself is better than any one person. So that one person, no matter how old, no matter how young, it doesn't matter. They've got a certain set of skills that they can contribute and help lift the parts of the project that need lifting. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's all of that. And so that's the emotional intelligence as well. It absolutely would just help with it's it's fascinating going through. We use the Gallup strengths finders within the program. And I like it because it has your top 5 strengths up at the top, but then at the bottom it does have your bottom 5 and it says, be aware of these, but don't live in these because it's going to take you a ton of time and a ton of energy because it's not inherent to you and then you're not contributing your strengths to what needs to be a part of that team. And so when you're aware of that, and then you can identify that in other people, you could be like, you know what? I suck at this, but you are good at it. So go right. Fantastic. And then you're encouraging, you're motivating, you're, you're teaching in a component of just um, being able to really help them thrive instead of just, I can do it all and I can do it better. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like mm. it's
1: an easy trap to follow, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it it is. It is. It, I mean, it's it's hard to because we're all in there for our survival too, right? And it's like collect everything and and you know barricade yourself for survival purposes. But that's another aspect of emotional intelligence is being aware of those emotional instincts and if they're um, helpful in that situation or if somebody's just yelling at you and they're not actually trying to steal your food or, you know, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous because our brains still react in that sense, And so it's just understanding some of that. You have a heck of a lot more self-control and the more self-control you have, the more influence expands. Mm. You don't have control over other people. You don't. Again, wah, wah, like <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> Dang it. I was really hoping, but um, it's it, that's that's the whole reason
1: why out. I was talking. I thought you were going to give me the, the secrets to controlling others. <laughs> Make my life easier. Come on. I'm
0: just the bearer of bad news. I'm like, I'm that <laughs> ugly reflection in the mirror. I'm sorry, but, um, but it is, it's, it's understanding. And once you, once you really improve that self-control, that's what increases the influence. That's what you have over people's influence. Um, hopefully mm-hmm. not manipulation, hopefully influence. Um, but, but it's the only way to increase that is increasing your Mm self-control.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, so kind of shifting a bit and getting into the kind of nitty gritty of, of training. So training and construction often, uh, leans really heavy on the technical and safety aspects. Why should companies consider investing maybe just as much, maybe even more in some cases in these, uh, essential skills training?
0: It's this one is, you know, I've had a fantastic feedback from somebody recently who said this information helped glue all the other training together. It helped understand because you can't just carry it all. You can't just carry everything individually. Right. But it's this whole of like, well, which one do I need to focus on and why? Because Mm -hmm. I can't focus on every single thing. You only have a certain amount of energy throughout a certain day. Right. So how do you prioritize? How do you know which one? Is it safety? Is it stormwater? Is it the, the toxic, and you know, person, the unsafe person, whatever it is, um, or should I be delegating that to somebody else? Because I need to be up here focusing and looking at the rest of the team. And mm-hmm. so that was his fantastic feedback was just, it helped under, give me a better awareness of what to focus on, on why, what to focus on and why. Mm-hmm. So it compiled and added all those, but it's also the way that this approach is, is it, it is preventative a lot more, it's much more than reactive training. Um, (laughs) And this one, I was talking recently to um, one of uh, the physical therapists that I'm going through right now, and she's like, I have the same challenge of just trying to explain like preventative health, right? Versus um, reactive to what we're doing. It It isn't easy for us to do, to plan that far in advance, but it's so incredibly important and it impacts so, so many things.
1: Yeah, so let's double click on that because reactive training is, that's what I think most people think of. They might not put the word reactive to it, but that's probably what they're they are actually doing. Uh, how can and, and why should construction firms pivot to the proactive training approach? Yes. What does that even mean for yeah. people in, in practicals? So proactive, if I'm doing training, that I'm being proactive, you know?
0: Yeah, right, no, and I, you know, it's, again, just, Similar to what I was just mentioning about PT, right, it's why would we proactively train for a marathon in lieu of just jumping in and trying to win first place, right? To prevent injury, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if we think of it from like our physical health, right? Most of us in our 40s or later have probably some type of injury from that we did something stupid in our 20s and 30s, and now we're having to deal and work with it, right? They're coming back to haunt us, and it's taking more attention, more focus, more time. <laughs> Mike, that's Ed. Gosh, and you're like, is it really the sleeping wrong, or was it something that you you jumped off that the cliff and down into the water, right, when you were in your 20s, and that's what tweaked it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's all coming back, and it takes more attention, focus, time, and money later, right? So mm-hmm. if we would have been preventative, then we may not have created what is now a prioritized reaction. Our body's saying, this is alert. This needs immediate attention. Can't put it off any longer. So now I'm going to take you out, you know? It's mm-hmm. kind of like when you're getting sick. It's never convenient to get sick. But, um, you know, it's like, well, fantastic. Now my body's like, well, I'm taking you out since you won't. But yeah. You put this in mental training context and construction, right? Um, again, when that first big challenge arises on a project, how will the leader and team react? If they're not properly trained on conflict resolution, communication, leadership, critical thinking, planning, right? Then then we're going to react the way that we as humans are instinctually wired to react to threats, which is typically freeze, fight, flight, or fawn. And what's more is that the behaviors are contagious, especially of us as the leader. So most of the team will follow whatever behavior I'm reacting to, that reactionary behavior. Mm. Um, and so if this is not controlled, if you haven't built up any endurance or training to know what this is and and how to implement it or why to implement it, um, and, and be able to choose the best path forward, right? Then we basically have our hands in the air and yelling fire <laughs> reaction to that kind of ch- that that challenge. And it creates chaos throughout the team. And it starts to create even more problems because what, when does that ever fix the problem? Like just throwing up our air, you know, our hands and just saying fire, right? <laughs> right, right? Yeah. It doesn't work. It's creating more cause. so then it takes more attention, more focus, more time, more money to resolve these problems all these problems that are now popping up and creating and breeding in our project. Right. Okay, so there's one reason right there, right? We just to reduce, try to, try to help with our schedules, our money, uh, all not having to go to claims. Um, but even outside this and longer term results to not doing this is may cause frustration, stress, burnout, which then causes team members to leave after the project or subcontractors not to bid on your next project again creating more time, focus, energy, money required to rehire or try to find the subs to bid on your next project.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, a domino effect.
0: Right? And so it's like all this stuff just compiling. Yes. And then, well, now it's going to take a heck of a lot of time to dig out of that instead of if you were just kind of preventative, preventative, then you're eliminating, you're eliminating that. Or you're right. greatly reducing the opportunity for all those problems to just, breed on your project because the team is strong. The leader strong. You're able to just overcome that challenge pretty easily instead of it's like a bowling pins to a bowling ball. Right.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. yeah it makes a ton of sense. So there's a, a lot of different kind of training methodologies and uh, you know, even types from micro trainings, to the live trainings, how do people work through those different options? What works the best and how should they kind of think through the decision making process of, this is what's going to work best for this particular team.
0: Yeah, that one is very complex. I'm actually building a program right now and it's like a four hour training that kind of digs into what's going to make something most effective, right? What's going to make it a training experience. And there's like nine different components that you have to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't go through all nine of those right now, but I think what's easiest and and, and most helpful is um, to explain how we best. Learn. Okay. So as adult learners, we retain and use the essential skills more so than technical and management skills. Those are learned in a different part um, of our brain and more easily accessible, but hmm. specifically on these essential, the emotional intelligence, these soft skills, um, it's similar to how we retain and use water or food. Okay. So uh, we, we can't eat all of our meals on Monday and not have to eat the rest of the week. Right. Just doesn't, doesn't work that way. Our body can only absorb <laughs> so much. I don't think there's anybody that can do that.
1: Um, <laughs> that'd be a, an interesting skill. <laughs> it doesn't
0: sound like preventative health right there, but, <laughs> but right. Our, our body can only absorb so much and then it get gets rid of the waste before it then needs another snack or a meal. Right. Mm. Same thing with the learning. So we retain and use it best when we need it or want it first off Um. If we eat too much in one setting, our brain will still only retain the small bits of information it feels it needs uh, most, and then it'll discard the rest. That's an important part of learning is actually forgetting. And it's trying to just condense and solidify what information it needs to keep. So if you think of like Thanksgiving dinner, right? We, we typically overeat. There's, it's very indulgent. <laughs> yes. yeah, this, is, this is the
1: point of Thanksgiving, right?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> like, but, just, dinners, but you try
1: the eating all the your calories in one meal, <laughs> your
0: plate, you're like, yes, right. I've saved up for this, but um, but our body doesn't actually absorb and use all of the nutrients, right, and energy that we uh, from all the food that we just shoved in our mouth. Um, but what's interesting is most of our training is built like that Thanksgiving dinner. So we cram so much stuff into one training and expect everyone to retain and use all of it. But mm-hmm. our brains experience something that's called cognitive overload. And again, it, once, once it hits a certain capacity of amount of information, it's gonna discard everything else because it's just, I'm done. I need to process this first before we shove any more information into my brain. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a big part of when you understand that, of how can you best get it to them when they need it most? That's a challenging aspect from a trainer or training, um, because usually it's kind of the conveniences of us as a trainer, right? We're like, we're going to have it on Tuesday at two o'clock. So come hungry, right? (laughs) Well, that's not the best time when everybody needs or wants the information. Um, and so it's, it's hard to just try to try to disperse it into snacks instead of a big Thanksgiving meal, Mm um, and make sure that they're healthy snacks and not donuts, you know, because you can't have crappy information, which then affects learning as well. But hopefully, it didn't make it just even more convoluted and helped provide a little bit of some information about training.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Have you seen any? Have you seen the the trend to these uh, people being open to the the bite sized snacks yes. more over the the last couple of years and, and kind of embracing that uh, methodology more?
0: Yes, well, and you know what's interesting is. Um, the informal version of this is a YouTube. It's TikTok. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's, that's micro learning right there, right? Sure. In those micro chunks and those. So is it good? I don't know. Hopefully it's instructive, right? In the right process or the right way to do it. Um, and you're not going to injure your back, you know, but um, they're absolutely. And it's, I think from the education world and standpoint, these micro learning blocks are very helpful to just, But again, they've got to be structured correctly and they've got to be the right content because you can have donuts instead of like trail mix uh, when it comes to learning. And so it's got to be structured, but they're definitely more open to it. And I think it's a lot, especially within construction, with how fast paced and high pressure we have it, having, again, a big old block of something is just overwhelming. Like we are so inundated with so many decisions and, and problems and challenges and Um, working, you know, all these different tasks that trying to get training in there, we're just, it's, it's not an optimal setting. It's not, it's really difficult. So that's why the micro learning really, really helps for, especially our field, our field crews out, out on the job site kind of running all the time.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, makes sense. So with the, the rapid technological advancements and, and the digitization and construction that's happening and, you know, just a, a huge hockey stick curve over the the last couple of years. How do you envision that uh, impacting the, the future of training and how's that, how's that take shape over the the next couple of years?
0: You know, there's actually already some pretty dang cool stuff as it relates to training in our industry. And I've, I'm starting to realize this myself, Todd, because I, you know, you, you get in this setting mm-hmm. where everybody says that we are not we're not technologically advanced in construction. We're just so behind. We're a dinosaur. And I'm like, if really, if you look at it, we're actually pretty, there's a lot of cool stuff in our industry. We are advanced, Agreed. but right. <laughs> gosh, I'm like, mm, Such actually, a
1: misconception. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. I mean, so there's actually, and I, and I should have looked this up before, um, but there's actually some virtual reality training for some of our trades of, mm-hmm. and I know it was HVAC um, our mechanical trades and I, I but you, actually get this VR headset and you get to practice putting stuff together, like those physical skills. Um, there's also like heavy equipment simulators where they can practice. And somebody mentioned this because they were in excavation and in, in, in earth um, um, earthwork, but they, He said, sometimes when you have an operator, and you've got to be really close to a foundational wall, that's not fun to practice the first time when there's a lot of risk because of hitting or damaging that foundational wall, right? So what a fantastic opportunity to use the simulator. It's very realistic. And so it's helping train your brain. It's not just so far removed from what it actually is that it doesn't help or it doesn't Mm -hmm. actually solidify in your brain. But um, it's it's a fantastic opportunity for them to be able to do that, or get a certification or practice without having to the equipment, the maintenance of the equipment, the gas of the equipment, and then the risk of you know safety of the individual or of surrounding um, areas. So sure. it's it's out there. There's gaming technology in the training aspect. Yeah, it's it's here. I I can't foresee outside of that. I have no idea. I'm not <laughs> not advanced. I don't think, but there's some really, really cool stuff out there already as it comes to technology and learning and construction.
1: Yeah. Very cool. So how, what's the first step that the people should take if they want to kind of get more into the emotional intelligence, essential skills and the proactive training, what's their, their first kind of bite-sized step in that journey?
0: Um, so. The emotional intelligence specifically because of those four pillars, I would suggest you got to start at self-awareness and it's once you really have mastered that, then you get to that next step. And that's been the interesting aspect. I get asked all the time for like communication training. I'm like, mm-hmm. we got to, we got to start at the source. <laughs> we can't just put it up here. I'm sorry that we got to start here. Um, if you're talking about my program, that's completely different story and the, the essential skills, but, but it's really Gosh, look at books, look for podcasts, look for, there's so many different aspects, um, YouTube, right? And all these different aspects for essential skills. The best thing to do though is really, it's self-reflection and if you can find somebody to have some of those discussions with, somebody who knows you well, to be like, what do I suck at, you know? And be able to take that, it's not easy. It's really not an easy process. Um, And I've broken up my, my program into those essential, uh, or those emotional intelligence pillars. And I tell, I tell them when we go through that first section, I'm like, this is not fun to, to find the ugly of you. It's not fun to admit. It's not fun to kind of dig into it, but it is so incredibly important in order to move into self-control and then be able to implement this into our teams and lead our teams, motivate them and whatnot. So, um, gosh, there's journals, Todd, they're, they're everywhere. There's so much stuff on self-awareness, self-control, um, emotional intelligence right now, but yeah. Um, yeah,
1: Nice. <laughs> uh, I imagine going through the uh, self-awareness phase, having picking your partner is, is a, a key ingredient to that too. To you, who is kind of, you know, beating you up <laughs> That you are willing to hear them and, and, and take it from them and then, really reflect and resonate, not just immediately discount because you think they're a schmuck or something, you know, <laughs> that, that you really, uh, uh, appreciate and value their, their opinion and input.
0: Yeah. And it's probably going to be multiple people you don't want to put all that pressure onto one person that could actually be damaging to the relationship. Sometimes it's like, well, you know, let's do a a boss and a, and a peer and somebody, you know, over here and my mom maybe, and then my husband or my wife or, you know, my kids, for goodness sake, any of that, but Uh. it's it's going to be a collection of all of that stuff. um, And really just trying to identify. Yeah. It's, it's a path. And it does take a while too. in all reality, that self-awareness aspect of just, I, I not good at this, but you know what? It's all right. Cause I'm really good at this. Um, I you know. find
1: it, so you know that's awesome. Uh, kids for sure. You know, you bring them up, man, they're, they're the best at holding out that mirror back up to you. <laughs> then my kids say stuff to me all the time of stuff that I, I do, or uh, I say to do, and then I, I don't do it. And they're like, dad, I thought you said that. And I was like, Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for calling me out. <laughs> let me explain the
0: adult version of this ah because (laughs) oh well okay good point how do i explain that right
1: (laughs) yeah you're like i'm I'm caught i'm caught (laughs) uh so one of the kind of main pillars of, of the show is shaped around innovation what does innovation mean to you
0: what does innovation mean to me um that's a tough one, actually, because I, I think it is a collaboration of and it's and it's ever moving, it's ever changing. It's hard to um, it's it's adjustment, it's awareness, but it's a collective. Not opinion, movement of, of different people that are put together right in order to to build something. Um, and I'm not just saying build something like the a, a building like we, we do traditionally in construction, but like a build an idea, build a, a movement, build a tech, a, you know, technological technological advancement in Mm. order to help. But innovation is just a collection of I'm not going to say like-minded people because that's not it. It's like, what is the, what is the opposite of like differing (laughs) me and my communication?
1: Diverse perspectives.
0: The diverse perspectives, the collection of different people's strengths to create something different, but still so entirely needed um, and important that could really make an impact. I guess. Is that, (laughs) I'm like, Uh, I'm picking up what you're, you're
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's bringing people together with the, like putting everybody's unique strengths on display to try to, pull together as one unified team to build something needed. Yes. Is that a good uh, summation of?
0: It is, but it's all innovative because every single one of that, every single one of them is going to be different, right? Because it's a collection mm-hmm. of different people and they and again, their strengths, their ideas, their experiences, their, their perspectives. Um, And so I I almost I'm probably answering your question of what does innovation require more than what is it? But I think that's what it requires is an ever changing the the different group dynamics, because every single one of them is going to be different to be able to create something innovative together. It can't I I feel like it almost can't just be one person's. Or if it is one person, it's still because it's been a collection of different opinions and perspectives and interactions and experiences throughout their life, right? To be able to create.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I read a book a couple of years ago that um, I'm hoping I remember the exact name of the book. It's uh, "How to Fly a Horse," I think is the the name, and I am blanking on the author. So sorry, I can't give full credit. Uh, <laughs> Get partial credit, <laughs> uh, and it's it's an amazing book about innovation and kind of the history of innovation. But it, to your point exactly, it's uh, uh, it, their whole premise is that innovation is not just one singular act; it stands on the shoulders of everybody that came before it. So even like the what we think of as, as big technological leap forwards of you know the the light bulb or the airplane that was not a singular. Uh, event that happened. It was multiple people that had all these little inputs along the way, or they built on other people's innovation. Um, but it's it's a great book. It's how to how to fly a horse, and it's Kevin Ashton is okay. the, the author. Uh, so credit back over to Kevin. It's Hi. it's a great book, though. I highly recommend it.
0: No, that's awesome, and it is. It is. It's an ecosystem, right? I guess an innovation is some type of ecosystem of a col- collective group of something that all built. Yeah. Well, anyway.
1: Yeah. I could go
0: on forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is it? And hmm. don't ask because me the it's definition a deep of a a philosophical
1: question, I guess. <laughs> I'll get
0: it down to like, well, what is the actual definition, and let's like expand on that, and let's build some more stuff. <laughs>
1: There you go. I like it. I I like to get out on it. This is good stuff. Uh, Well, how do people find out more information on WellWorks, what you guys are doing and and connect with you?
0: Yeah, no. So um, website is the best best place for the information. Um, www.livingwellworks.org. But it has different ways to access the program. Like I said, I I spent a year actually building this program and it's a collection of, of obviously my experience, but also neuroscience and psychology and right the upside to stress and information about all of that uh, so that it's really easily accessible and implementable within what we do in construction again the the fast-paced high stress nature of what we do Um, but also on LinkedIn I am not on any other social media platforms I can't I don't have the time to manage any more than that right now Um, so LinkedIn would be the best uh, opportunity to find me from that aspect but otherwise I'm just always around involved in the industry in different capacities among different boards and partnerships and, um, really just huge advocate for, for our industry and those who work in it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, final question for you, if I could give you all power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in construction. What would you pick to innovate?
0: Well, see now, now we're going to get into the nitty gritty here again (laughs) to innovate. Um, like create something in order to solve something or what would I create? So sure. the, ask the question again. Okay. If <laughs>
1: yeah. I could give you all power and you yeah. could snap your fingers, you could innovate one thing in the construction industry. It can be anything you want. What would you pick to innovate?
0: Something that could improve the well being of every single person in the industry and remove honestly, um, the, the high suicide rates that we have and the high stress rates that we have. Mm. I
1: yeah. don't know
0: what that is, but that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah. um, well, somebody once told me um, when, when I was talking about the program and it was an owner, actually an owner's rep. And they said, it'd be pretty fantastic if you can make construction fun again. And that was such an impactful quote. Mm. Cause I'm like, I'm sorry that it's not fun anymore. I'm like, I let's talk. Cause I, I think it's fun. Right. But Um, I think that's the bigger, biggest thing is just, I want them to all know how dang important and, and essential they actually are. Um, and they're so intelligent, but I think Mm -hmm. sometimes it's, it gets challenging and it gets heavy, but just remember why you're doing it and who you're doing it for. Um, and it can be fun. We work in a fantastic industry with amazing people. We really do. I couldn't imagine working in any other industry. So. (laughs) Yeah-
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, I think your, your statement of let's talk, I think that's the, the biggest thing, honestly, that we have to uh, destigmatize the ability to talk in, in construction and open up about personal things. We're all human beings at the end of the day. You can't check your, your personal life at the door when you come onto a job site. We, we bring all of our uh, personal life and our uh, emotional, I don't like this phrase, but the emotional baggage, if you will, into the work environment. We have to deal with it. That. That's okay. That's it's okay to be a person <laughs> on the job site. We all are people. It's a, you know not a, a well-kept secret. We're all people. <laughs> and we need out. to have those conversations.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. And I, I think people will always be an important part of this for maintenance, for innovation, for problem solving, for critical thinking, all of it. Um I, you know, there's, there's concern of technology taking over some of the jobs. It's like, well, hopefully that just fills our labor shortage. I don't think it's going to take over anybody's jobs. It's just going to help us with that part of it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but it's, it, it takes so much, so much. And everybody could always appreciate this. Just being on a project again, not one of them is the same and not one team is ever the same on these projects. And that's, what's so cool. It's is always this living, breathing thing is the construction industry. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Fun. Yeah.
1: I agree. I agree. Well, Amy, thanks so much. This was fun. Thanks for taking the time and, and talking. I, we, we covered a lot of ground, so <laughs> there's a whole lot more rabbit holes that, that we could go down for sure, but thanks for taking the time and uh, joining us today.
0: Yeah, thank you for asking such awesome questions. I love thinking about things differently like that, so I appreciate the questions. And
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, I was struck by Amy's statement that soft skills don't mean you become soft. It couldn't be truer. Without effective communication, self-awareness, and emotional intelligence, we tend to act impulsively, driven by emotions, rather than making reasoned, intentional decisions. Second take, a critical component of personal growth is understanding not just our strengths, but also recognizing our weaknesses. The self-awareness is challenging to achieve, but it's essential because when we understand ourselves completely, we can better appreciate the collective strengths of a team. And final take, gaining control over our emotions and reactions is a game changer. It's only when we master this that we can truly lead and influence others towards positive outcomes. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited, and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software, Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software, Great Tech Group, 2023.